Hey everybody, welcome to another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. This is mini-sode number 16, and uh, Josh and I are continuing to go down our list of our 10 favorite movies of all time. Last time we talked about my 7th favorite movie of all time, Sidney Lumet's Network, and this time we're going to talk about Josh's 7th favorite movie of all time, and to introduce that, I will bring in Josh himself. Josh Long. Hi. It's me, Josh himself, Josh Long. Well, that's that's the name of your comedy album, Josh himself. Yeah. Well, that's what I put on my name tags, too. I wear a name tag everywhere I go. I don't know if everyone knew that. So, yeah. A little, little interesting fact. So, if you see me on the street with a name tag that says, Josh himself, Josh Long, that's me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You might be thinking somebody else, but... But I mean, you shouldn't might think the it's name a different tag. Josh Long. Well, but that's it's, possible, but... But uh, it's this one. Not probable. Yeah, it's this one. It's this one. <laughs> Come on. That's written on another name tag. Yeah, that one's it's usually under a one. jacket, though. Right, right. So if people don't understand the first one, I just open the jacket, and I'm like, yeah. it's this one. Josh also wears a bright red jacket, so yeah. be on the lookout for that as well. I'm kind of hard to miss Yeah, if you see me out there. And he just walks around screaming all the time. <laughs> and it, what does he scream? He says, look at me, Josh Long. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Moving on. I'm so, a very likable person. <laughs> <laughs> always, a, always a fun thing to declare, because it's always yeah. true always, when someone says that. It has to that. be if you say it. You can't say it if it's not true. Yeah, you're, you're not a liar. No. Couldn't be. I feel like, I feel like it's my responsibility now for this mini-sode to, to have another like boring thing that I do. I know. I really want this. Okay, well, what else do you got? Well, I thought, I thought about it a little bit, and I was like, oh, I like to alphabetize things. That's kind of boring. I have that too, though. But you like that too, yeah. So then, I don't but know I'm not sure unique. if I'd say. Here's the thing. I don't know if I like to alphabetize things so much as I like things to be alphabetized because. But that's just an efficiency thing I, because it's Maybe. easier for me to. Here's you know what. Here's why I like to alphabetize. Okay. Because I can convince myself I'm doing something useful <laughs> while I'm really not. <laughs> I don't know if the, I. I feel like I enjoy the process. Like if, if all of my CD, cause I, it's not just my movies. It's like my movies, my books, my CDs, they're all alphabetized. Mm-hmm. And actually have you, you know, in, um, what's the movie? High Fidelity yeah. where he likes to go and reorganize his albums by like different, yes. different things. The idea of that is fun to me. Like I can think, Oh, that'd be fun to like try and organize all my things by, you know, yeah. by artists, favorite ice cream or something ridiculous like that. Um, so the process of it, I think, would be fun to me. I think I wouldn't do it because of the efficiency thing, because I wouldn't be able to remember. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, when we go over to a friend of the show, Jason Eakin's apartment, he has his DVDs and Blu-rays organized by director. Yeah. And that's all well and good. But the thing is this. If you were to, like, okay, so right now I'm looking at a movie on my shelf called Mother Night, mm-hmm. based on a Kurt Vonnegut book. And starring Nick Nolte. Who directed it? I don't know. I cannot pull that. I'm going to say Nick Nolte directed that. He self directed? Sure. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, he and Kurt Vonnegut did it together since those are the two names that you said, and those are the only two names I know are associated with that movie. Alan Arkin is also in the film. He had nothing to do with its direction. In fact, he didn't even really know he was in it. He was phoning it in. But, uh, But yeah, so like, so if I had my movies organized by director and then i decided i want to watch mother night i i'm just gonna have to peruse my 
close to i don't even know how many movies i have anymore i think it's something like four or five hundred i'm not sure but i would have to peruse those in order to find it and uh alphabetization is that's the best way how do you how would you organize your tv shows if you're going by director oh my i think by episode (laughs) (laughs) oh incidentally i would also go insane uh probably after the first tv show yeah the first season of law and order yeah yeah but so yeah so be okay so alphabet alphabetizing things is something is a passion of yours i enjoy that I, if I'm at the store and something's in the wrong place, like at the record store, I, I fix them. Amen to that. I mean, provided it's a small record store. Right. Like if I have to, you know, like well, Amoeba. I don't fix all of them. If I Amoeba find is one, very I fix large. it. Yeah. And if it means I have to walk to a, a whole other section. They're pretty Whereas good. Whereas if, if something is in the M's where when it should be in the L's, okay, I'll just, I'll just, no problem. They're pretty good about it at Amoeba, though. I rarely yeah. find problems there. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They got it worked out over there. They got it together. Okay, so moving on. And next time, next time we're talking about one of your favorite movies. I'll also, have to come up with This is something. what I want. This is what I like. Okay. I like the idea that we're finding out things about you because you're very secretive. Okay. It's yeah, very yeah. off-putting. In a, in a show in which we're trying to embrace vulnerability, what do we know about you? Well, Nothing. Well, we know that I wear that red jacket. You got the bright red jacket. You walk down the street everywhere you go. Um, Live in a cave. Yeah, and then, you know, as you're walking down the street, you, you'll be like, oh, boy, paperweights! Right, and I might collect some of those right. along the way, and then I put them in alphabetical order. Right. But they're all P, for paperweight. <laughs> yeah. Well, so then it's just chronological after that. Well, then after that, after that, I go by color. So if it's like... Right. It, and it'd be dominant color. So if the dominant color's green, that would become... That would come before one where the dominant color was... Say purple. See, and I'd be inclined to just go Roy G. Biv. I just, uh, hmm. I just go at, go like that, just to watch the progression of colors. I don't know. Just saying, it's the way to do it. What happens when you organize colors by, like, alphabetically? I don't know. I'm trying to do that. Probably in my nothing. Head. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that later and order them out and see if it looks better than the rainbow. So oh, maybe- see, okay, <laughs> now we've stumbled on something genuinely boring yeah which is you like oh here's something i'm curious about that no one would ever care about at all yeah I, and then I, and then you make a mental note that you'll have to do that yeah, I'll later. Have to go back and organize colors <laughs> see what they look like but that's the thing is you know i enjoy making lists of all kinds in college i made a list of my my hundred favorite tom Waits songs wow i also made a list of my hundred favorite lead performances by a male in a film Oh, I thought and you were going to say a, sp- a specific person. I was going to be like, man, you're going to my, my 100 favorite Christopher Lee performances. Maybe someone like him or a John, John Wayne did a lot of movies. But yeah. like, really, there probably aren't that many actors that have done <laughs> over 50 once, things. Once you get down into the 50s, too, it's got to be kind of kind of all a wash. Like, what is my 77th favorite Christopher Lee performance? Oh, I could do it. Could you? Maybe not Christopher Lee, because it's always kind of the same performance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. But I mean, all, all the people who do have that many, like John Wayne's the same thing. Like, what would be your 85th favorite John Wayne performance? <laughs> it, which coincidentally might also be your favorite John Wayne performance. It, it, yes, very possible. But uh, yeah, and see, with Christopher Lee, I feel like, okay, I Fellowship of the Ring is probably like 97th. 
Two Towers is probably like number nine. Oh, really? And then uh, Return of the King, not even in it. Yeah. Then, well. Then Blood for Dracula. Number he, one, with a bullet. Is that his? I don't know if he's in that one or not. Attack of the Clones, number two. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. Moving on. So, yeah, sorry, now that everybody. I'm depressed. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Get depressed. Because we're about right. to talk about this movie that I think is incredibly overrated. That's not true. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, so, Josh, I've got a question for you, just okay. out of the blue. Okay. I'm just spitballing here. Okay. What is your seventh favorite movie of all time? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Tyler. Okay. Um, we're here to talk about it now. You know what? You're right. <laughs> man, oh man. How convenient. So, I know that we always play this game, and yet everyone who's started listening knows already what it is. So, I guess it could be possible you're listening to it in some kind of feed where it just pops in after the next one. Yeah. So, if that's possible, surprise, it's To Kill a Mockingbird. All right. There you go. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I feel like it speaks for itself, right? It does. It does. So, okay. Um, now, I remember uh, maybe a couple years ago, two, three years ago, when, when you and I were talking about movies and we were talking about our favorites, and at the time, <coughs> you... Uh, you didn't have a top 10 or anything like that. You you made a top 10 for the purposes of these minisodes, which I appreciate. But um, at the time, you said, I, I don't know if I have a favorite. It probably, eh, probably To Kill a Mockingbird. Like, you, you jumped to that pretty quickly, actually. Yeah, that's one that I always I always think of as one of my favorites. Um, and I guess in putting the list together, there were others that I said, well, I like that more. But... Um, it definitely is is one of my favorites, and it's it's one that I've seen it several times, but I haven't seen as many times as some others. Like, like I think I've mentioned before on the show that there are some movies that I feel like if I see that it's on TV, I'll just start watching it, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine with watching all of it. Or like if somebody wants to throw it in, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch all I'll watch all of Jaws, I'll watch all of Alien, I'll, yeah. Godfather is another one. Like some of those ones, Godfather's long too, but. Some of those ones that's just they're immediately watchable, and To Kill a Mockingbird isn't as much that for me. Um, Nor does it necessarily need to be. No, it, it it really doesn't, and it's not entertaining as much as some of those other ones are. Right, I think. Um, but it is a film that that really resonates with me, and uh, it's for a lot of reasons. I think one one is that I just like the story, which is the you know comes from the book, obviously. So mm-hmm. I don't know. How many out there have have read the book? But if you've seen just the, if you've only seen the movie, or if you've only read the book, uh, you need to you need to check do the out other thing. check out the other one. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think they're equally good um, in the same way. Sort of, it, it's really interesting because a lot of times um, you can you can go so many wrong ways with an adaptation, especially of a book. Um, in that, uh, well, it, it can just be that the the book, the, sorry, the movie doesn't have the same tone as the book, and thus isn't as strong for some reason. Or it can happen that the the movie has a different tone and is stronger for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it can happen that uh, the movie just is trying to capture the same tone and then just ends up being like faltering because it doesn't work as well as a movie as it does as a book or, or something like that. But, um, 
I, I feel like the film is not trying to be the book. Like, it knows its limitations. Um, it knows what will play on film and what won't. Um, it manages to kind of have a... One of the biggest things is pacing in an in a adaptation from a book, because a book is obviously a different pace than a film. Um, much, much different. So, uh, it still knows... The movie still gets the pacing right without feeling like it's leaving out too much or feeling like it's jumping around. I mean, it takes place over several years. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the fact that it's still able to do that, I, I think is, is something. And I think it does. It is one that captures that the same tone that the book has all the, all the, um, it is strange now that I think about it. it odd that you mentioned the idea that the book and the movie are both, they are both well-loved, and I would say they are equally well-loved, but they are somehow they are somehow separate, but they're linked because they're the same thing. They're the yeah. same story. But I, and it, maybe it's because, I mean, they the book came out, and then they made a movie of it so soon after. Yeah, it wasn't and long so, after. So it had not yet had the opportunity to gain this it hadn't grown in the public mind to a right. point where it it everyone had an expectation right it was just like i'm trying to think what is a like at this point okay this it's it's weird to compare these two at this point the harry potter books and the movies because they came out so close together and then mm. the the book series was still coming out as the film series was coming out. Yeah. They're, they're linked together, but it's entirely possible for someone to have only read the books and love them or someone like myself to have only seen the films and love them and feel like, oh, I should engage in this other thing, but I, I also don't feel any, any real need to, even though obviously they are a different medium. Um, but yeah, that is one of the things that I that always struck me as interesting about To Kill a Mockingbird because I read it in high school and then I think I saw the movie right after and I think at this point because the two are so linked anybody who reads the book is probably going to think of Gregory Peck as as Atticus if they've yeah. ever seen the film it's mm-hmm. just the two are one and the same it's very yeah. hard to explain and that's one of the things that's another thing that I like about this film is I feel like the casting and the performances work so well that that I'm okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. there's some, if you've, there's some book adaptations where if you've seen the film and then you go back and read the book, you can't totally picture that person doing all the things that happen in the book because whether that be because there are more things that aren't, that aren't in the film that you can't picture that person doing, or just as a, maybe different, there's a difference in the character. I feel like that happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I think Gregory Peck captures that character so well that he really he really defines it. I think. Yeah, and it is. It is the. It's odd that he, as a as an actor, had been working for thirty years by the time To Kill a Mockingbird came out, and then he would continue on for to act for another about another thirty years. Yeah. I mean, he 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 acted into the nineties, um, and yet this is it. This is the one. This yeah. is when people think of Gregory Peck, they will think of this performance. He's he's in a number of great movies, and he uh, and he delivers great performances in them. He's in um, Gentleman's Agreement. He's in Cape Fear. 
He's in the Boys from Brazil, in which Moby he plays. Dick? He's in Moby Dick. Yeah, I mean, he's he's played Captain Ahab, Captain Ahab and Joseph Mengele, um, <laughs> and so I mean, he's just he's really run the gamut as as an actor. Um, but people think of him as a man that is just inherently decent, mm-hmm. um, which is why seeing him as Joseph Mengele is in fact quite strange. Yeah, but just and it's and it's so strange when you think of of Atticus Finch as a character um, that he has to be this stoic, definitely strong, but also very sensitive type character. He's a very unique character in, in literature of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you, f- when did you like first see the film? I think I was in high school. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. I can't say for sure, but I would guess I was, I would guess I was in early high school. Okay. Um, and then you read the book probably around the same time, I would assume. I now cannot remember whether I read the book in high school or in college. I know I read it in college because I read it for an English class, but I'm trying to remember if I had already read it before that. I think I had. I think I read it in high school first. Now, you di- you said that uh, the film just resonates with you and mm-hmm. i assume it resonated with you when you first saw it and i mm-hmm. assume it resonates with you still mm-hmm. um what are the things that you know you've seen a number of movies what are what what puts to kill a mockingbird in your top 10 and in such a way that when asked off the cuff this is the first place your this movie is the first place your mind went when asking favorite film yeah so what is it about this film i think it's one of my favorite it's a combination of a lot of things, but um, I think one, like I said before, is that it's a great ad- adaptation. Um, another is I think that I l- it's a depiction of family that I really love. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the connection between Atticus and Scout and Scout and Jem and, I don't know, kind of in all of the directions that that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and then the, those, the kids who play scout and gem, I, I feel like that again, like I said before, the casting's great. I think those, they're a fantastic casting choice because that, those are two that I always think of that don't seem like they're acting, you know? Yeah. It's pretty naturalistic. Right. And it's, that's hard to find in movies in general, and I feel like it's even harder nowadays. Um, uh, you can still see that a little bit, I think, in some some foreign cinemas where people aren't as familiar with movies as they are nowadays, but I think... Stay tuned for next week. <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, but uh, all of the... You know, most of the kids in the U.S., by a certain time, you already... You, you, by the time you're old enough to be in a movie, you've seen so many movies, you know movies, you know the way that you think people are supposed to act. Mm-hmm. So there's the sense that they're always acting, whether, you know, when they don't need to. And mm-hmm. um, Scout specifically in, right, Mary Badham, I think is her name? Yeah. yeah. Um, she She's so naturalistic in that. She, she never is acting. She never seems to be acting, so she's always right. just just portraying that part and so um because i think that's such a fun character like she's she's just fun and kind of irreverent and 
tomboyishly likable, but besides that, she she does go through a transformation, even though it is kind of subtle, where she learns more about her father and she learns mm-hmm. more about um, the world that she's living in and uh, uh, turning assumptions, the, the, the way assumptions are turned on their head, mm-hmm. kind of summed up in the Boo Radley uh, reveal at the end. But um, played by Robert Duvall. That's true. Yeah, which is a which is a cool little trivia thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I, I don't know. That's that's kind of a lot of different things. But I think a combination of a lot of those factors is one of the reasons that it really stands out to me. And you know, it's interesting. And in, in in the things that you just mentioned, you did not at any point mention race, um, which is a big part. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a huge part of the story that is being told. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people and myself included to a certain extent, certainly not as much as some, but, uh, somehow get a little iffy about, uh, this story because mm-hmm. for, for those that don't know, frankly, I think I'm sure everybody knows at this point, but, um, you know, this black man in the South and the, in the sixties or does it take place? At the time, or is it 50s, or even earlier? It's earlier. Okay. Yeah, because the cause, uh, the one who wrote it, it was her story, and she was older at the time, so it's probably okay. it's probably 30s, or okay. I would guess. And so, um, so yeah, so obviously uh, some certain racial tensions and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and certainly some uh, assumptions, uh, but this uh, black man is accused of... Uh, Ra- uh, believe raping i don't know if it's ever actually said i don't uh, think they say the word but it's implied yeah um this uh this young white woman and uh and is going to be you know prosecuted even though it's sort of a not not so much a he said she said but there's no real evidence the yeah. evidence is that people assume it yeah because he is because he's black and so gregory peck uh, as Atticus Finch is the man's lawyer and he does everything he can, um, to, to, uh, to convince the audience, uh, audience, pardon me, <laughs> the jury to, uh, to acquit and, uh, and it winds up not happening, but everybody appreciates the effort that he put into it and, and all that sort of thing. Well, some of the people appreciate the effort. Some of the people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to the point where there's a very, uh, notable scene in which as he stands to leave um the various uh black spectators uh who are sit and including i think their housekeeper or something like that somebody who has a relationship with them yeah uh she is this this uh, older black woman is sitting with scout and jim and she says stand up your father is passing and Mm -hmm. just and as a sign of respect for the effort that he put in Mm -hmm. um they they stand um and it does, and it reminds me of, of people's uh, problems with the the film Mississippi Burning. I don't know if you ever saw that, mm-hmm. but um, I haven't seen it. No. In which uh, it basically is a film about the FBI versus the Ku Klux Klan, and the FBI represented by Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe, and it's the it's basically the idea of white of white people fighting. It, it, fighting on behalf of an oppressed minority and as such look how noble these white people are Mm -hmm. and i don't necessarily i'm not sure if i still think that because to a certain extent well 
you know, that is the story we're telling. And there is something to be said for somebody who stands to gain or lose nothing personally, standing up for somebody who stands to, you know, gain or lose anything. Um, but in this case, what, like, what do you think of that idea? Cause that is a criticism that I've heard, uh, and that I, and that I have thought in reference to, to kill a mockingbird. Yeah. That it's not Tom Robinson is the name of the black man. Mm-hmm. It is not his story. Mm-hmm. Even though he's really the, this, these are life and life and death life and death stakes for him. But it's not his story; it's the yeah. white guy's story. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's the thing because the film and the book are both from the perspective of the daughter. the The story is about her life and her and her father, mm-hmm. and so a big part of it is this story. And I think this 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 trial is one major thing that illustrates his character. Mm-hmm. But I think when people look, if people look at that as the central part of the story, I think that's, I think they're missing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think the film is Tom Robinson's story. I think he is a big part of Atticus Finch's story, but I, I don't think it's his story. And so that, that doesn't bother me in that sense. And um, I don't feel like it has that same racial element where it's, look at the white people coming to save the black people mm-hmm. um uh which we have seen in some recent films that's been a criticism of avatar or yeah. lincoln the last samurai there's a lot of a lot of different ones um uh but because it, i feel like if this film was only about the trial and was more about just that then i think it would be kind of like that because right. because the the people telling the story would be setting out to tell a story about a noble white man who saved a poor black man. Yeah. And I, that's not the author's intention. And I, it doesn't feel like it's the film's intention. I mean, half of the film, you, you go through half the film before you even get to Tom Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, so it doesn't feel that way at all to me. And it just feels like since it's a story about Atticus and I think it's, it's mainly about him it shows this huge part of his character that when he does have everything to lose, he's willing to stand up for someone who it is not fashionable to stand up for, for whom it is not fashionable to stand up. So well done. Um, yeah. If you look at it as a function of this, because you're right, because, and, and as I was younger, I thought of it as well, the trial is by far the most interesting aspect of it, which from a plot standpoint, you could say that's true. From a character standpoint, however, not necessarily. Yeah. And if you view this as this was the moment that this girl saw her father in a different light. And so whatever it is that caused that, and in this case, it's this. It's seeing her dad as a man willing to do this thing that no one else was willing to do. Yeah. And so if you look at it through that filter, then it becomes much less condescending on the part of, you know, as we said, the noble white man and all that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, it was some, it's something that, um, that I thought should be addressed because you never know if somebody, if other people think that. Yeah. Because if it's been said, then it's out there. There are some people who have that opinion. It's worth addressing. Certainly. Um, well, we've been going for a while, so, uh, we should probably, uh, probably wrap it up. Um, is there anything else that you would like to, to say about it? I would, I will say real quick that the, the film won three, Academy Awards for Best Actor for Gregory Peck, Best Art Direction uh, for a black and white film at the time they split it up, Mm. and Best Adapted Screenplay by Horton Foote. And Horton Foote would go on to, among other things, write Tender Mercies, Mm. uh, which I'm a big fan of. And uh, 
And I feel like he does do a very good job of adapting the book. And in doing so, he, along with the director, Robert Mulligan, really do capture a such an odd pace for a film. I mean, you mentioned pacing. Um, And they just kind of create this sense of, of place and atmosphere where, I don't know, where stuff just sort of happens and a kid is allowed to explore things and... It, it because it could be Andy Griffith, you know, like it, you're right, but it's not. It's it's not like squeaky clean. Yeah, it's it's not. It, it feels it's not more quaint. Li- yeah, it feels lived in, and it's probably cause it's from a true story. Yeah, and it does seem to, and the tone of the film and the pacing does seem to derive from the characters, from Scout and Atticus yeah. specifically. Yeah, and Atti- and and just the I mean the character I believe when AFI made their top 100 heroes and villains list, I believe Atticus was number 1. I think he was, yeah. In villains. It was a very, it was a bunch of racists <laughs> that made the list. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah, it, he he was like the number 1 hero and I think one thing that's that strikes me about the film specifically about Atticus is that you get you get to know him a little bit better, but he remains somewhat unknowable. Yeah. And I think the film has, or the tone of the film as a function of him has an almost intangible quality. Yeah. Um, but that's something that Horton Foote would di- would do with Tender Mercies, which seems like a pretty straightforward film. And yet somehow, because it's so stripped down and bare, mm-hmm. it's just like, you just, you watch and you're like, there's something, there's something else going on here and I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. I don't know. There's... There's almost a dreamlike atmosphere to To Kill a Mockingbird, and yeah. yet it absolutely takes place in our reality. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question of it. And I don't know, there, there's something, there's almost something magical about it, if you can use the word yeah. seriously. But uh, I think particularly of the, the, the final scene, probably, of the movie and mm-hmm. the, uh, the, you know, the epilogue at the end there the 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 uh, voiceover epilogue mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly what it is but there's something about that moment of the film that I just absolutely love like the the epilogue she has about Boo Radley and it's great in the book too like that's and that is the final I think the final words in the book are the final words in the movie um and uh English literature people have made note of the fact that in that last in the in the very last line, she says, I can't remember the exact wording, but I think it's something like, uh, Atticus was there all night and will be there when Jim waked up in the morning. It's it's some kind of, she lapses into an incorrect grammar thing, mm-hmm. which she hasn't done throughout all the entire book. But I think people have made something of that being the point where she kind of goes back into the yeah. childish, um, from the childish perspective of it, which is interesting. Yeah, it's... And it's it's odd because the film really does, in many ways, it feels like because you and I've been trying to nail down like what the tone is. It's magical. It's it's somehow otherworldly while also being uh, recognizable. And I think maybe the way to look, the lens to look through it in is memory. When you think of mm. a memory mm. or of a specific time in your life, you're going to remember enough specifics that if someone were to look at your memory, not the actual thing, but look at your memory, it would register as our world. But you're also filtering it through nostalgia, regret, and any number of things that you have now as an adult. And 
so it will have this feeling of everything seems somehow symbolic and there's a there everything everything just oozes significance yeah but it's not always cl- it's not clear immediately what that significance is and so it's this kind of strange i don't know and and by having her drop into this thing it's like she's gotten so lost in the memory that she can't help but become who she was mm-hmm. at least for a moment yeah so yeah, it's it's a film that even in this discussion, I, I feel like, oh man, I haven't seen that in a long time. I need to see it again. So yeah, so yeah, and hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I will say that. Uh, so next week, um, so Josh is going out of town for a couple of weeks, and so uh, we're going to be changing up the order. And then the next proper episode that we have, uh, it will be uh, me and a guest host. So. Uh, in order to jumble up some things, next week's episode is not going to be a full episode. It's going to be another mini-sode. It's going to be, we're going to be talking about my sixth favorite film of all time. So uh, just be on the lookout for that. Uh, if you guys have any uh, comments or questions about this, you can always leave them uh, on the post at morethanonelesson.com for this episode, or you can email me, Tyler at morethanonelesson.com or Josh at morethanonelesson.com if you want to email Josh. So... Anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.